Let us pray. Gracious one, may your spirit be in these moments a voice that we hear clearly. Open the lips of this servant of yours that your words might flow through and open our hearts to hear in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. If you still have those pew Bibles in front of you, I invite you to take them out again as we're going to be looking at the Old Testament lesson that we heard read just a few moments ago on page 192 of the Old Testament. I am always on days like this where the gospel lesson is the one that's chosen for today, tempted to refer back to my arrival here some seven years ago and echo some sentiment that I heard through the grapevine about a Nazarene, you know, can anything good come from the Nazarenes? But I won't fall prey to that temptation this morning. Instead, I really want us to consider this lesson from the book of First Samuel, and particularly the words of the second sentence of that lesson. It says, the word of the Lord was rare in those days. Visions were not widespread. The word of the Lord was rare in those days, and visions were not widespread. This is a commentary on what was happening in the lives of the people of Israel and in their nation, collectively. The voice of God was not heard, and visions were very rare. I've asked myself as I've thought about this lesson this week, what is it that, that made the voice of God not recognized among the people of Israel in that period? Why is it that there were not visions that were, were seen on a regular basis, as had been before? And there are several possibilities. Among those possibilities, it could be that the people of Israel had become somewhat complacent. They were very satisfied with the state, their state of life. They'd been through their bondage experience, they've been delivered through Moses, and now they're, they're very comfortable. And so there was not among them the, the need for God as had been previously their state of existence. So they might have been very complacent. Someone suggested at 7.30 this morning that maybe they didn't want to hear God because they were afraid that what they were doing was not pleasing to God, and it's sort of like avoiding your parents when you know when you're confronted by them there's going to be consequences for actions that you've done. Could be. But it, for whatever reason, it's significant that the voice of God was not heard and that visions were very rare. In this story, we are introduced first to Eli, who is a prophet of God. He's one of the judges. And you have Samuel, who is working with Eli in the temple. What do we know about Samuel, ultimately, in Scripture? Okay, let me tell you about Samuel. <clears throat> Samuel would ultimately become a prophet. 
and the prophet Samuel was the one that God used to speak messages to the people of Israel and to help them when the people… You remember there's a time when the people of Israel said, you know, everybody else has a king. We want a king too. And though Samuel tried to discourage the people, they were persistent and insisted that they be given a king. So Samuel was the one that God used to select and anoint first Saul as king over Israel, and then David as king over Israel. Samuel was a significant figure. The lesson for today is really our introduction to Samuel. This is where we first encounter Samuel in Scripture. And I think it's telling that Samuel hears the voice of God, but doesn't recognize it as the voice of God. In fact, he hears the voice, and it is apparently a familiar voice because he thinks it's Samuel. I mean, Eli, thank you. You're paying attention. That's good. He thinks it's, he thinks it's Eli. So God must have had a voice that was similar to Eli. So here was a voice that was God's voice, but not recognized by Samuel. A familiar voice, but not recognized as the voice of God. I think there's an important truth for us in this, that we as people often hear the voice of God, but we don't recognize it as the voice of God because the voice of God is coming through someone that we know, that we're very familiar with, but we don't recognize it as the voice of God. Here we have Samuel. He hears this call three times. He goes to Eli. Now think with me for a moment. If God wanted to communicate an important message to the people of Israel, why didn't He choose Eli? Eli was the prophet. Eli was the logical one to deliver the message. Maybe Eli wasn't paying attention either. Maybe Eli had fallen into that place of of being complacent, where life was pretty good. At least things were predictable, knowable. There was routine, and he was, as most of the people of Israel, enjoying a relative period of peace not able to hear the voice of God. Or maybe Eli had been hearing the voice of God, but dismissed it. Something that he had seen and heard often, but uh, in in many ways we know what that's like. We, We hear something week after week, day after day, and it's easy to dismiss because it's so familiar, we miss the real the real message. That's why I think it's important for us from time to time to revisit our liturgy. And what is it that we do as we worship together week after week? It's easy for it to become rote. It's easy for the words that we say every week to just flow off of our lips, but we miss the point. We miss the message. We miss what it is that God is trying to say to us through our worship together. Eli is smart enough, however, that when Samuel comes 
and he says, I'm hearing this voice, and I thought it was you. Eli is smart enough to recognize this is God. Pay attention to the voice of God and do whatever it is that God says to you. Familiar voice finally recognized as the voice of God. And as Samuel listens, he hears a message, and maybe it's the message itself that Eli didn't really want to hear, where it was a voice of some judgment on Eli and upon his family that was in some disarray and was in a state of disobedience to God. Samuel gets the message, but I want you to hear again the first thing that the Lord says to Samuel when Samuel acknowledges this is the voice of God. Then the Lord said to Samuel, See, I am about to do something in Israel that will make both ears of anyone who hears it tingle. I'm going to make, I'm going to do something in Israel that people are just not going to believe. When they hear it, their ears, both ears are going to tingle. When we are at a place of relative stability and the complacency that follows it, what is our natural state when it comes to, oh, shaking things up? We don't want to do that, right? We're pretty comfortable. We're pretty satisfied with the way things are. Let's don't do anything extraordinary. Let's don't do anything that's going to stir up possibly trouble or make people uncomfortable. Let's just be comfortable. Maybe that's why the visions were not seen often among the people of Israel. Maybe that's why the voice of God was not often heard or recognized, because God wanted to do something that would shake them out of their complacency. God was calling them to something that was beyond their normal, beyond their ordinary, beyond what they were accustomed to. He wanted to do something different. And so the voice of God comes to one who finally pays attention, and God's plan is revealed through Samuel. It is true for us as a faith community. When we face challenges, that's most likely when we turn to God and we pray in one way or another, help! I'm in trouble. I need you to do something here, God. But then when we are not in trouble and things seem to be going along relatively smoothly, we don't want to hear God saying, hey, I've got something I want to do through you that's going to shake things up. What? Is that you, Allison? You know. <laughs> What'd you say? You know. Familiar voice. God wants to shake things up, and we don't want to hear it. This faith community has been here now more than 51 years. And there have been times in the life of this faith community, and those of you who have been here for a long time, will know of such instances where we basically prayed as a community, help! And God has been there. 
when it comes to when it came to the building of this wonderful facility that we enjoy week in and week out there were cries for help there were there were times when we needed God to intervene and God did intervene and God provided and this dream became reality and it's wonderful but maybe there was a point when we got to the end of this and we said ha ah, this is good life is is really good we've got a wonderful community we've got a wonderful space here let's just enjoy this now and god was saying wait wait a minute you haven't you haven't arrived i haven't brought you to this place for you to just relax and enjoy i've brought you to this place because i've given you tools that will enable you to do the really exciting things that i want to do through you and we say what <laughs> 5 years ago there was an opportunity for us as a parish to be aware of god's voice to really tune in and ask what is it god that you want to do through us now you've been faithful to us over all of these years but what is it that you want us to be moving forward where is it that you want to take us what is there that you want to shake up in our world through us and we spent significant time in prayer and community discernment birthing what is our vision statement now it's not on your bulletins this morning but i want you to take out your bulletins and look at the logo that's on the front and now who here among us without having a cheat sheet in front of you can tell me what that vision statement is wonderful now you think he's a plant he's not you know <clears throat> we're a christian community seeking to know and unconditionally share god's unfailing love and here's a teachable moment the logo on the front is descriptive of the three main parts of that vision statement we are a christian community and we've spent some time trying to unpack what that is or what that means The Christian community is represented in the logo by the birds. And it's important for us to be community and to understand what that means. The second element is to to know we're seeking to know God's unfailing love. That's the experience. We want to experience God's love. We can't share something that we don't experience ourselves. At least we don't share very effectively. what we don't experience intimately so here is the sun and you've had those moments in your life where there's a fresh revelation of god and and it's like a light goes on right so the experiencing of god's love the knowing of god's love is represented by the sun in this logo and then we are a community seeking to unconditionally share God's unfailing love. 
And that sharing of God's love is represented in the waves. And if you've been to the beach recently, you know that when a wave arrives, it's not the last of its kind. It continues to come. So the sharing of God's unfailing love never ends. It continues. It's a part of our life. It's a part of our call. And we've been looking over these last few years at what does it mean for us to effectively share in an unconditional way God's unfailing love. I want you to know that the thing that God wants to do to shake us up is found in this statement of identity. And over these next few weeks leading up to our annual parish meeting, we're going to be unpacking that more and more. But today, I want you to consider for just a moment what it means to be Christian community. And why is community important? Community is important, first of all, because it's in community where we really learn to recognize God's voice. That's why in the Episcopal Church, in the Anglican Communion, we put so much emphasis on discernment as a body, as a community. We have one among us who has been through a discernment process, and that's Allison Cornell, right here. She's been exploring whether God is leading her to ordained ministry. And part of what we do as her faith community is surround her with people that are attuned to the Spirit of God and who can help in that discernment process. And I'm pleased to acknowledge this morning that that committee has finished their work, and there is a recommendation that will be going from this parish to the diocese that Allison take the next step toward ordination as a priest in the Episcopal Church. That happens in community, and everyone is important. We need everyone involved. Six months ago or so, we launched what we know as CareNet, and many of you here signed up, and you are a part of a care unit. Without going through all that that is, understand that when you signed up for the care net and you were placed in a care unit, that carried with it certain responsibilities. These care units, as we heard this morning in our forum, many of them have been wonderfully successful. There are needs that we've been made aware of that we would not have otherwise known about. And I love getting phone calls from a care unit facilitator who says, we discovered this need in our community, and we just want you to know, here's what we did. And it's not a, Father Michael, did you know so-and-so has this problem, and you need to do this. We're addressing those needs. And I love hearing those stories. But I'll be honest with you, I also hear from time to time, in one way or another, from people who say, I am a part of this care unit, and I had this issue, and there wasn't anybody there for me. My heart breaks when I hear that kind of thing, because our expectations are elevated that this 
this initiative is something that's going to help us and enable us to be more effective in our care for one another than we've ever been before. But it is only as successful as each and every one of us are committed to doing what is our responsibility in reaching out to those people who are on either side of us in the care units who are my care partners. And without a show of hands, please don't raise your hands, I just want to ask you how many of you, since the CareNet program began, and you were assigned to a unit, and you were assigned care partners, how many of you have been in regular contact with your partners? That responsibility is something that is very serious. It is also something that is incredibly rewarding as we get to know each other. And you might say, well, I don't know who my care partners are. I, they go to that 730 service, and you know, I'm probably never going to see them. Community looks at those challenges and says, here's how we're going to overcome those challenges. And that's someone who is here and a part of this parish that believes, as I do, that God is wanting to do something great through us, and I'm going to do my part. And my part in this program begins with reaching out to those who are on either side of me in the unit. It's not something that the leaders are responsible for. There's a responsibility that falls to each and every one of us. My challenge this morning, and I'll close, is to invite you to listen afresh for the voice of God. Maybe it's found in a familiar voice. Maybe it's going to be found for you even in this voice. Don't let that keep you up at night. <laughs> but quite possibly, God is saying, there's something I want to do through you. There's something I want to do through this community at St. Wilfred's, and you're a part of it. Join in. Do your part. And it's not just writing a check. It's about giving of myself to others and allowing the Spirit of God to use me to minister to them and to be ministered to by them. Would you join me in recommitting to Christian community today? Would you join me in restarting the contact with your care partners and letting them know that you were there for them? You say, well, they haven't called me. Have you called them? It's a two-way street, you know. It's got to start somewhere. It might as well be with you. But let's be Christian community and light the world with the love that is shown in that community to the glory of God in Jesus' name.